right, we're recording. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Bohemian Geek Studies' first kickoff on YouTube, and we're here with the BGS ladies. Ladies, do you want to introduce yourselves? You can sure. go first, Colleen. <laughs> Let me go first. All right. My name is Colleen McMillan. My title for this show is Jedi Master, although I'm probably not as close to Jedi Master as I would like to be, but for all intents and purposes, that is me for this podcast and this YouTube channel. Hello. Indeed. I think you're definitely a Jedi Master. Yeah, uh, I'm Chloe sure. Siegel. I am your manager of Mischief, and I'm really excited to be here to talk about this topic. I've only been yes. waiting since I was 12 years old to do this. <laughs> yeah, and my name is Sarah O'Connor, and I am the queen of queries. So in case you have been following Flo's fantastic work, um, on the Tweeterville and the Insta of the Grams. Today we are talking about fan fiction and I frankly, I'm very much a pun intended virgin in this arena. I know like just a little bit, but not that much. And fortunately we've got two expert queens with us on today to talk about fan fiction and kind of like how we've been kind of signing off each of the episodes saying literally write to us about what gets you excited again, mm -hmm. pun intended, do that for us because frankly, Flo's passion in this topic and Colleen's expertise as well, I mean, it oh, is what it is, <laughs> spade a spade, that's what we're calling it, we're able to dive into this topic that is actually incredibly vast. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, I'm going to largely act as a moderator here, folks. Still feel free to send in questions about this topic to the extent you have them. Depending on how much traction and action we get, maybe we do a follow-up, maybe we do a little shout in the Tweeterville or something. But as I said, without further ado, let's dive into kind of understanding what the F even is fan fiction or fanfic? Who wants to handle that like basic question? Flo, do you want to take that one? <laughs> I don't know if you guys can tell like how much I'm blushing right now. I'm so <laughs> excited. <laughs> oh, it's this is gonna be good. I'm very, yes. very uh, ready. Yes. Yeah, so I actually, <laughs> I had a feeling that this question was going to come up, but basically fan fiction is fans writing fiction about a existing work. The first fan fiction, I, again, I did research. The first recorded fan fiction was in 1952. Ooh. Um, and I can tell you about it. It was. Uh, please do. It was called The Enchanted Duplicator, which Ooh. I don't. Yeah. And hold on, hold on. We don't have that like. <laughs> We're like, okay, now go ahead, Flo. There you yeah. go. <laughs> the more you um, know. <laughs> it was a meta fan fiction based on Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress. Mm. And uh, that's pretty much what we know about it from All 1952. Right. Um, but since go. then, it's like really evolved into its own kind of like branch of fiction. Mm -hmm. And the big, big impetus for it was the um, launch of fanfiction.net in 1998. Interesting. So it's been pretty much as old as all of us. Like it has literally, we have grown up literally in the hotbed of fan fiction like we are in the mecca of the yes. times oh yeah, yeah. especially I, with the big ya fantasy science fiction stuff hitting that is where a lot of the most popular fan fiction stems from 
And and my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, Flo and Colleen, is fan fiction kind of has to have copyright characters, time, setting, place, yada, yada. Otherwise, you're just writing your own original maybe saucy story. Correct. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, there's the usually most, at least yeah. like one link to an existing mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Cool. Like so, how E.L. James wrote Fifty Shades of Grey right. from a Twilight fan fiction. So her original fiction, Fifty Shades, is not fan fiction, even though it's based heavily on Twilight. Which, which is funny because I say I was gonna save this for later, but I would say Twilight is fan fiction for the Silky Stackhouse <laughs> series, which is fan fiction for Frankenstein's monster and Dracula. So it's just like, well, I guess that's the thing like it's all derivative, right? So. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it it it, it would behoove us to to not be bohemian geek studies if we didn't see say even fan fiction is like the protagonist with 1000 faces or whatever the fancy schmancy colleen would know this better than i would story where no matter what it is you get to fill in the sauciness of the delight because a a good story is a good story Mm -hmm. that's right that's why they stand the test of time and why they're reused over and over again so I, do, I do have the top fandoms like who's got the most fan fiction numbers I, yes I please ravenclaw did yes. it <laughs> um so far and away the most fan fiction written on the internet is harry potter fan fiction which is my personal brand of fan fiction um with this again this is google so don't hold me to it but uh they said eight hundred and twenty-two thousand fanfics related to harry potter Number two, surprising, actually, like, I don't know, what would you guys think number two would be? Star Wars. I would have thought so, too, and Star Wars did not even hit the top four. Wow. Number two is Naruto. Uh, oh, It is, like, wild. 432,000. Number three is Twilight with Mm 221,000. And then Supernatural with 125,000 fans. That makes sense. There are a lot of Supernatural fans. I've never even seen it's very good. Wow. It is very good. <laughs> where does, did you see where Game of Thrones ranked on it? Or um, was no, that it only there? showed me the first four. If we do a part two, actually, I'll post a fuller list on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, not, not a semi, where, but a full is what you're saying. Full. Yeah. This okay, is the top four. But I was list. happy to see that Harry Potter's blowing everyone out of the water twofold. So, yes. It, it would also be. Sense. It would also be interesting, like, if we're going to break this down, right, I also want to know, if possible, within that massive amount of content, which, like, one true pairings are the ones that, like, get it the most. I mean, I think that's so tricky, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I think it, like, really depends on, like, which era of Harry Potter fan fiction you're talking about. Yeah, and let's say let's definitely yeah. save that because I know that you've got some good stuff for that. <laughs> I've got stuff. To I know you got. Some I didn't even that. bother looking at Harry Potter, so it's like Flo's got that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> so besides Flo giving us a full later with respect to the list, mm-hmm. where do you access your fan fiction? Because the one place that I learned about in doing a little bit of research today is called like the shorthand. AO3 archive of our own but like 
I, I have like a little blurb that I copy and pasted, but why don't you two ladies kind of take it away to the extent you know of that place and then also the other place or places you were mentioning. How about you start calling? Yes, AO3 is definitely the place where I've accessed the most fan fiction. That okay. is where one of our friends who is an avid fan fiction reader sent me some recommendations. Nice. They were all from AO3. I remember back when like the Harry Potter fan fiction really started to take off and also essay writing started to take off. There's a lot of content on LiveJournal. Oh, I'm really yeah. dating myself right now. <laughs> I actually wrote a lot of essay content for LiveJournal. I, yeah, so that was one of the places you could go, but there were tons of Harry Potter speculative sites that okay. posted not only the essays, but also the fan fiction. Yeah, so I looked this up, actually. AO3 started in 2009, so it's pretty yeah. recent compared to other fanfiction sites. Um, so I began reading fanfiction in the early 2000s as a preteen. <laughs> um, so young. So yeah. Young. <laughs> so at that time, I read on Fiction Alley, which was launched in mm. 01. Mm -hmm. And Fiction Alley was huge. Like, all of my well, a lot of my summer memories of being at my grandma's house are of being on Fiction Alley on the balcony, and my grandma had, like, an allotted internet usage in France, yeah. so you only got 20 hours a month, and I could, like, blow through 20 hours in, like, a day. Yeah. So what I would do is I would open a fan fiction, turn off the internet, read the page, turn on the internet, go to the next page. It was a whole thing. Survive um, and thrive, baby. Survive my, and it thrive. Was intense. Minor, so, minor cameo from Duncan. Hi, uh, Duncan. Hi, Duncan. Yep. He's he's our Crookshanks. Or he is. He is. So then, in 2018, Fiction Alley closed and moved all their content to AO3. Um, but I definitely remember Fiction Alley. I don't know. Did you ever read Harry Potter fan fiction on Fiction Alley, Colleen? Yes, I remember that site. Okay. Do you remember how it was split into four houses? Yes. So I looked this up because all I could remember was the Schnoogle one, which was the novel length fix. And then there was the Astronomy Tower, which was romance, which I got really into. Ridiculous, which was comedy, and the Dark Arts, which were like dark, moody yeah. fix. Mm -hmm. um, and this really is great. It's <laughs> <laughs> bringing back a lot like, of memories. <laughs> right? Do you remember like the graphics for it? Yes. It was whatever. It was like okay. such good fan art. It was amazing. If I can find some, I'll post some on Instagram for you guys to check out. Yeah. Yes. It was yes. just like life changing. Oh, uh, and I think I think I think this is fair to say. If you are listening on the podcast, literally jump over onto YouTube if you want to like see our faces <laughs> giggle with glee and blush. But I, I apologize for interrupting. For like no, for the good. first time no. ever, we no. are both we are visual and audio. Yeah. yeah. Come see our faces. <laughs> Um, and then, I don't know if you remember, Colleen, but there were, like, super active message boards on there, too. Oh, yeah. Like, it was Guns. insane. People like, would, like, journal was like launch too. ships and, like, mm -hmm. name their ships. It was a whole thing. It's a culture. Um, it was. Fan it was fiction a is huge, a huge culture. Huge culture. Um, so since then, uh, obviously, Fiction Alley has closed. I have been pretty much reading exclusively on fanfiction.net. I for like the purpose of this podcast i tried to go on ao3 and like figure them out because they do have a much more extensive library of fan fiction okay i just like struggle with their search features you've got to be like extremely specific yes um and they have like absolutely like no limit to what you can write so um there's like a lot of content warnings that have to be heeded 
So gotcha. watch out on that one. But a lot of those last night. Yeah. It's dangerous <laughs> out there. So many hashtags. But yeah, I would say fanfiction.net is my number one place to get fanfiction. I know a lot of younger readers are on Wattpad, mm. um, which is a newer one, but us old folks are on AO3 and fanfiction.net. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, cool, cool. Well, now that we kind of understand what it is and where it is, I think we kind of covered what was going to be my next question for you ladies, your fan fiction origin stories. But Colleen, to the extent we haven't heard from you and Flo, in case you well, haven't elucidated us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so why don't why don't we start with pretending as if we know nothing then? What are each of your fan fiction origin stories? Because mine is like 10 seconds long and I can go last. <laughs> go, go ahead, Colleen. Well, mine started probably when I was about 12 because I'm a writer and writers usually start out writing really bad derivative fan fiction. That's pretty much a given. I've been writing since I was in the first or second grade. And when I was 12, I wrote my very first long form piece, a sequel to The Lion King. Before Disney did their sequel, and I'm pretty sure they stole some of my ideas, but <laughs> that was my very first like actual long form piece was the sequel to The Lion King. Cool. That's like the origin for me writing it. For me reading it, it's Harry Potter. Gotcha, Definitely. gotcha. How about you, Flo? Yeah, so... Like I said, I started reading Harry Potter fan fiction in the early 2000s. I still pretty exclusively read Harry Potter fan fiction. Um, I also wrote my own fan fiction. <laughs> Honestly, like, I'm not even joking. YouTube and now all of YouTube and the world. Yeah. Um, before that, like, maybe five people knew that. Like, we're just, we're just, we're literally <laughs> breaking cutting story edge stuff you know what I, I mean like this me, is where it happens I'm gonna I need think that it took story. me like over a year to admit it to my husband oh, so. <laughs> so sweet and like it really should not be this like hush hush like no, subculture of fan fiction like, you're so geeky you read no like it's a major part of my life and like yes. now I'm letting you guys know about it so yeah in yeah around 2002 I started writing fan fiction with my best friend shout out to you Julian um yeah, we like collaborated on a pretty long form story that was a sequel to Harry Potter. I will not give out the title because it is trash. So please do not go read it. Um, and then I wrote some solo pieces of like fluffy lesser ships. Like I shipped George and Alicia Spinnet pretty heavily. Yeah, um, so like I wrote something about them. I wrote stuff about Dennis Creevy and um, Gabrielle Delacour. <laughs> He does deserve love. You know what I'm saying? I want that story so badly. Yeah, he does. Um, and yeah, so that's pretty much what I wrote. I must have written maybe like six one-shot pieces and then one multi-chapter long-form piece. Cool. And a one-shot piece means like a one-chapter short story? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool, cool, cool. It can even be one paragraph. I mean... Yeah, some people write like this much. And a that's short, the short. Nice. Well, I mean, I guess it isn't the size that counts. It's whether or not your impact is. Uh, Sometimes the impact is good. <laughs> well, my, my fan fiction origin story is I really don't think I dove into any, uh, like I remember writing 
fan fiction Garfield comics. Yeah, I totally did that. Um, And then I also remember, although I totally misremember, right? It had to have been a fan fiction for Animorphs because there's no way I came up with Animorphs before Animorphs existed. But when I was flying on a company minor, I lost my short story. I kept it in the airplane thing. And wouldn't you know it, folks? Wouldn't you know it? So I can't take credit for all of Animorphs. I can only take credit for the worst part of it. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) I'm just saying, I've never seen you and whoever the author of Animorphs is in the same place. In the same room. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Let's see. Ah, this is good. Why? And maybe this gets a little saucy. Why read fan fiction? So we understand our origins, but like maybe, maybe we're hitting puberty. Maybe we don't need to get too far down the rabbit hole. But like, what is the allure besides, I assume, kind of spreading your own linguistic wings and flying? why fan fiction in light of so much fan fiction and romance novels if if we're doing the more exotic stance of it i can take this one i've got notes yes (laughs) yes please like hop in i have i have some ideas but yes go well you fill in your ideas where mine are lacking but um i think there's like two main reasons why people read fan fiction the first one would be extension and prediction and that was especially prevalent I'm going to speak specifically to the Harry Potter fandom, but this is happening in the Game of Thrones fandom right now, and definitely also the Star Wars fandom, because Star Wars is, like, really never over. Yeah. So, during the, quote, long summer of Harry Potter, which was nearly three years between Goblet, which came out in 2000, and Order, which came out in 2003 fan fiction exploded. I think that was like a time where a lot of us got into Harry Potter fan fiction because we had nothing to consume besides reading books over and over and over again and like digging for meaning. So everyone, everyone was like writing their predictions, talking about predictions with each other, you know, message boards were exploding, forums, AIM chats, whatever it was. Um, So yeah, we all had these ideas about where JK was going to go with the books. And at that time, like, fan fiction was really exciting because nothing was set in stone and nobody knew where it was going to go. And there was, like, this tiny hope that, like, oh, what I wrote is going to be canon. Like, what I wrote is exactly what she's thinking. (laughs) And, you you know, just theorizing out loud, what what a good serendipitous timing for a dry spell in light of the, like, coming of age kind of themes yada yada it's like one of the things that sometimes operates as a red flag to me a little bit is kind of like how do we enjoy fan fiction where the characters are younger than we are now kind of thing but putting myself at least back in that arena and and I'm willing to suspend some disbelief and allow myself to go back in time to where I was when I first met these characters. Imagine being so thirsty for what comes next as Hermione has her first kiss. Like, girl, we know, we know that you and Crumbly Bumbly were doing a little <laughs> bit more than smooch and Ron just can't I take mean- the heat. Just the fact that JK gave us the Yule Ball and then left us hanging was like, what are you doing to us? Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, the Yule Ball remains to this day my favorite chapter. I actually have my Yule Ball coaster right here. Um, it was like a sexual awakening for my, <laughs> at that time I was 10. I was literally <laughs> 10 and yeah. I was just like, this is it. This is romance. I'm ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was, I think that's one of the reasons why people read fanfiction, extension and prediction. And then the other reason, which is what's happening now with the Harry Potter fandom is wish fulfillment. Mm. So now, like, obviously Harry Potter's pretty complete, so why are people still reading and writing fanfiction? Yeah, like, it's not as clear-cut as to why, like, people are reading and writing it now, but one thing is for sure, we love the world, we want to get back in it, we yeah. want it to be extended, we want to see our favorite characters again and, like, yeah. go deeper into their development. And then some people, me, want additional canon, so that's like, I pretty much only read canon fan fictions or like canon compliant. So like, for example. And is that a hashtag for someone who's like not in that world? Canon, canon compliant? compliant? Yeah. Is yeah. that like, okay. Yeah, it's a pretty common like tag that they would use. Cool. Writers established use. relationships instead right. of It's basically just like saying like, this isn't in the books, but it could be in the books. Cool. So I'll give you an example, Sarah. So like. I'm a Ron Hermione shipper. You guys already Duh. know that, but watchers and listeners, you may not know that. My favorite character is Ron, and I pretty much only read fanfiction that has Ron in it. That wasn't always the case, but that is the case now. Back in, like, the early 2000s, I was a pretty serious Draco Ginny shipper and, like, would only read Draco Ginny fanfiction. Um, but then when that became not canon and when, spoiler, Draco basically became a Death Eater, I was like, I'm done with you. You can't get my dream yeah. now. So, like, some of the fan fiction I really enjoy now is, like, canon compliant, sixth year and seventh year, specifically, yeah. like, tent stuff. Like, when they're on the run and Ron Hermione are, like, having a lot of issues and then Ron comes yeah. back. Oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> all the tension. Attention. <laughs> yeah, but it's all like very canon compliant. And then some people really want alternate universe or AU as it's called. Um, and those are both valid and great reasons to read fan fiction, whether it's canon compliant or AU, doesn't matter. It's important that people just like are happy. Like fan fiction just makes you happy. Yeah. And like some of it's just funny. Like people who ship Draco and the Apple, I'm all about that life. I'm sorry. Some weird shows. <laughs> yes, and what? <laughs> Yeah, there's like a huge amount of fan fiction written about, it's called Drapple, and it's Draco Malfoy and the apple that he puts <laughs> into the vanishing cabinet. <laughs> I'm not laughing at people. I'm no, no, no. It's just a surprising them. one. I'm all about yeah. it. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of Draco Harry fan fiction out there. Um, it's great. Yeah, it's a huge, huge subset. And Sirius um, Remus is big. Sirius Remus, Wolfstar is huge. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of really great stuff out there. So I think there's something for everybody. Colleen, yeah. why do you think people yeah. read fan fiction? I think they read it because it fills gaps. Yeah, it, yeah, fill it does. gaps in canon, especially with things like Star Wars. There are a lot of relationships that are hinted at. And because it's kind of, it, like Harry Potter, it's more of a younger person's genre or seen as a younger person's genre that can be enjoyed by every age. But you have to hide certain things. So there's a lot of tension between characters, especially sexual tension. I love that tension. Fan fiction I love can tension. take care of. Like you have Obi-Wan and Satine. 
they obviously have some sort of romantic relationship, but it's not shown in the Clone Wars. So there's a lot of fan fiction about them. And same with Hera and Kanan from Rebels. I actually have my little pop guys back there, Kanan and Hera. Hey guys. And they have a canon relationship, but it's not explored very fully in the show mm-hmm. because it's a very serious adult relationship. And they were probably at first thinking kids might not get this or they might not be interested in this. So there's a lot of fan fiction about their relationship throughout the series. Which, I mean, I don't mean to fire shots at Disney like this, but, like, y'all just, like, showed lines romping around for a good long while. I think we can handle some human-on-human stuff. Well, you don't know. It's because they stole Colleen's Lion King fanfic. That's true. (laughs) Rude. Rude. (laughs) It's true. So we understand a little bit of how Flo's, like, fanfiction consumption changed a little bit. And if there's additional things you need to highlight let us know Flo what about you Colleen have you kind of stayed the course has your taste or stories or yada yada changed obviously as new stories come into existence that allows for fan fiction to be enjoyed Mm -hmm. I hadn't read a ton of fan fiction since the early days of Harry Potter in that summer where we were waiting forever that is when I consumed probably the most fan fiction I ever had just because I was writing also, so I was busy writing my own shit. So I was not consuming as much per se fan fiction wise. And then recently I just started really getting into Star Wars and the relationships in Star Wars. And I've had a lot of stuff sent to me that I'm like, oh, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Yes, tell me more. So I a think- A way to a Jedi's heart is yes. not abstaining as the old code has it. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. I would say it has matured. <laughs> For I mean, I'm I'm older now. I was 19, I think, when I started reading the Harry Potter fan fiction, and I'm 38 now. Yeah. So my taste has definitely changed, and the relationships I'm interested in has changed a lot. I'm more interested in the adult romantic relationships, whereas when I was 19, I was like, heck yeah, Harry and Ginny. They're 17. They're fine. Everything's great. Go do it, kid. Yeah. yeah. Go figure it out. Yeah, you do you. It's great. Yeah, nice. I, I would agree with that. I think that, like, during the long summer, I was reading mostly for, like, content and just, like, what's, like, action. Like, what's going to happen? How are they going to take down Voldemort? What is happening? Mm-hmm. Now, like, obviously, I know what's happening with that. So now I'm more, like, into the character development and, yeah, yes. filling in those filling in those gaps. Who's your favorite pairing for Neville? Because Neville deserves, like, a great partner. Yeah, Neville, like, I really ship Neville with just love. Wait, wait, should we, like, write it down on a piece of paper and then show each other? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got my notebook ready. (laughs) (laughs) That way it, like, adds a little bit of excitement. Yeah. So I've got crayons. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so who do you ship Neville with? Okay. Yeah. I think I think we should do Neville. Oh, this is so hard. I have got two. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. We can I'll have give you two. My top one. I do yeah, like yeah. who he ends up with, but if I were to throw my okay. ship out there, I'm ready. It would be, yeah, I'm ready too. All okay, right. and then and then I have one for Game of Thrones. I think. Okay, okay. so Flo, go first. I have picked Luna. Yeah. Um, okay. I just think they're like super sweet. Like obviously, this is movie canon. Neville says that he's gonna go get Luna. 
I, I figured like this is probably flipped in the video. Whatever. This says Luna in case you didn't know. <laughs> uh, um, I just think they're sweet together and they're like quirky and fun. And, like they were both at the ministry. They've got a lot of shared experiences, both in the DA. I don't know. Okay. My secondary is Hannah Abbott. Okay. 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 How about you, Miss Colleen? Yeah. No. Yeah, there you go. from the movies, the actors, I think, had a really great rapport. Yeah, absolutely. Really in absolutely. the books, I think that Luna would terrify Neville. Yeah. Whereas in the movies, it was more like, yes, they, they obviously have some sort of spark. Listen, every man needs a Luna. They just don't know it yet. So Clara, who do you ship him with? So Luna makes a lot of sense to me, frankly. I, I'm going to go, like, really edgy and say Neville had wanted to ask a particular girl out to dance and he was gunning for her and harry potter is not the only one who deserves a Geneva. so i would definitely like to see whether or not Ginny and neville would enjoy maybe not necessarily knocking boots at least seeing what's going down in the three broomsticks because i think they have a lot in common for the same reasons, for very similar reasons to like Luna, but also Neville was, Neville was willing to ask her out to dance and we can't say the same for sorry, Harry and Ron. I think if you go back to the early 2000s, you'll find a lot of Neville Ginny fan fiction back when nice. that was a canon pairing. So you can go and have your fill. All right, phew. I can, yeah, I can have late stage wish fulfillment, right. which is a purpose for fan fiction as we've learned yes. today. Exactly. Um, let's see. You had a GOT one. I want to hear the GOT yes. one. Oh, yeah. One? Okay. Um, I'm interested in hearing who you'd pair Ned Stark with. Because I have Ned? an edgy pairing. Ned? Yeah, Ned Stark. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Besides Sorry, Catelyn. Sorry, Catelyn. Okay. Yeah. We're talking we're talking about the lone shy wolf. We're not talking about who he had to marry. We're talking about who he should marry. This is a I've never thought about this. Oh, exactly. I've thought a lot it's about this. <laughs> Here. Okay. I should write this down too. Because I, th I think people might get a little bit upset, but it's so flippin' true. Okay. This is not going to go down well, people. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> okay, amazing. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Colleen, you go first. Ashara Dane. Okay. He should be, he should have been with Ashara Dane. Yeah, I want to be clear. I'm not him. a book reader. So. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. This is totally from okay, the books. Actually, Completely that's not, that's from the books. That's not true. I did read the books. I'm on the last book. However, I like skimmed through a lot of it because it was just, it, I know this. Sorry, everybody. It was just like a lot. What? It, it is a lot. It, it, a lot. it is a lot. You know what? I'll do, I'll do a shout to one of my favorite people. In Deep Geek, if you want to get like a lot about Game of Thrones, go go hit my boy up because he is fantastic in that. In the meantime, Flo, who are we fanficking poor old Neddy Stark with? Oh God. First of all, I'm so sorry, Ned. I just okay. accept all my apologies. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Like, Ned doesn't have that much of a personality, right? Like, he's just like kind of there. And he's known is, as the shy wolf. Yeah. He's very true. Very true. Yeah. And like, I just figure like he could have this like nice quiet life. 
with a crazy person, but I'm gonna go with Liza. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Catelyn. Go with your sister, Cat. Sorry. Oh um, I gosh. just feel like I feel like she didn't have to be as out there as she was, and like maybe he could have like calmed her down a little bit. And, like, they could have just, like, lived happily and been kind of, like, out of the way of things. Yes. My secondary okay. would be just, like, straight up Ned and Robert. Go get yours. Yeah! Bobby B! <laughs> Bobby B. I'm not even kidding, y'all. Like, I need to read the books more, but I am pretty oh, convinced that yeah. Ned Stark is not heterosexual. I'm pretty sure that when it comes to um, you know, who, who, um, I think Ashara Dane or, or Lyanna Stark had turned to at the jousting. It was not Ned. It was his sister. And I'm pretty sure that one of the reasons why Ned is unable to stand up to Bobby B is because he has got a heartthrob for his guy and remembers what the big bad burly bull had looked like back in his youth and he has got a flame for him and cannot put it out poor 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 ned stark it was very relevant yeah it was not the world that he should have been born into and it is no wonder that he is dutiful and shy Mm -hmm. so and and I'm pretty sure that Bobby B would be down for that. I'm not I even think kidding. Bobby B is down. I for think he's anything. down for most he things. He is down yeah. for a lot. Yeah, of things. I think he's all right. Excellent. Okay, so how about this? Do you ladies still write fan fiction at all? No. Um, I write essays. I don't write fiction. About okay, me, but I will write content about things that I enjoy. Excellent. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm busy writing my own fiction. I can't. Now that is true. Do you want to give, do you want to, like, I always like encouraging my people to shout what they're doing. What are you writing, Miss Colleen, the author? I'm actually on my second edit of my second novel. It no is, big deal. No, yeah, uh, it's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's on Great. fire. <laughs> my first book was like a romantic comedy style, and it's called Men of the Year. Kind of Bridget Jonesy, a little bit like it's a comedy, sure. basically, of a lot of dating errors, which I myself have committed. And then my second book is the more comfortable genre that I'm in, which is like a little bit Stephen King meets Flannery O'Connor, like small town setting, weird shit happens. And I'm currently trying to edit that down. It was 700 pages long. Wow. <laughs> and now it's Relax, George. And I'm trying. <laughs> I can't help. Yep, yep. I had a lot of characters and needed to inhabit a whole town and there you go. But yeah, I I love writing. So anytime I get to write any sort of content, whether it's for like the podcast or writing an essay about Star Wars or my own fiction, like sign me up. I'm ready. Yeah, I don't so, write anymore either. Uh well, you still write. I don't write anything. <laughs> um I write lesson plans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I have not written fan fiction probably since maybe like 2007. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I graduated high school in 08, so mostly wrote in middle and high school and really pretty exclusively with my best friend Julian. That was it. That's so perfect. Okay, so now that we kind of understand the purpose of fan fiction in geek culture, unless there's something else you ladies want to add. 
Are there negative sides to fan fiction and or like a negative look that outsiders may have to fan fiction? Because I have like a teeny little kernel when, when it came to me soliciting information or ideas. It, mm-hmm. It's very interesting. I, I suppose it's indicative of anything, any story, like let's just call it capital S story, that people hold dear there can be very strong reactions yes, to. There definitely can. So Flo, why don't you start with, to the extent you know of negative experiences or thought processes about fan fiction? I think people are pretty judgmental about fan fiction. And I think they're pretty judgmental about people who read and write fan fiction. I yeah. think there's like this idea that like people who write fan fiction are like, gremlins who are like in a basement somewhere and like aren't real people with real jobs and like real relationships like everybody that I know who writes fan fiction um has like kids and a job and like a real life and is like a normal person so yeah I mean again like I didn't tell anybody that I was into fan fiction for a long time because of that sort of like oh you're into like that side of like Mm. fandom like that's all the cool side of fandom that's like the super geeky side of fandom Mm -hmm. um yeah so I I would say that's pretty negative and then like there is some negativity within like fan fiction itself like people can be judgmental about what other people are writing oh yeah whether that's like character development like Mary Sue sort of issues Mm -hmm. um or just like pairings that like a lot of people do not like reading Ron Hermione. That's totally fine. I, I'm just like of the mindset, like if you don't like it, just scroll past. Yeah. Like nobody's making you read it. Like I don't yeah. read a lot of things. Like I do not read Hermione Snape. That's a no. huge, that's, that's a no. huge branch of fandom. And like, I'm not mm-hmm. here to shit on anybody. That's just not what I am into. Yeah. And like, it doesn't bring me joy to read it. So I just skip by it. But if that, brings you joy and fulfillment to write it and read it then like as long as you're not hurting anybody and you understand that it is a minor and a A consent issue is huge there is a consent issue for sure it's like can we can we spell that and like honestly one of the things that's very important to me like i had wanted to be a sex therapist once upon a time and so like in this limited capacity in bgs i want to put on as many hats as possible for, for any of us. So can we state expressly, what is this consent issue between Hermione, a student, and Snape, a teacher? Because I'm assuming that we're talking about it within the context of pre-graduation Hermione. We're not even going to deal with issues of post-graduation. No. Let's She's keep it adult. within the- She can do what she wants. Totally. They're both consenting adults at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's quite a few consent issues in life and in fan fiction. So obviously in this case, the issue is twofold. It's both Hermione is not at the age of consent and therefore cannot consent to sexual relations with an adult. And there's also a power dynamic issue in consent in that Snape is her teacher and she does not have as much power as he does. And that happens a lot in lots of different fan fiction. There's a big yeah. like... Harry Tom Riddle ship situation, um, which again has both, well, depending on when it's set, can have both a power and an age issue. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's like a lot of other fan fiction that has like sexual violence and rape triggers. Um, that obviously is 
loaded with consent issues. Um, that's not what I choose to read, but I understand that like a lot of people like to read those. Yeah, that, that's largely why I read canon compliant things because it feels less like it's breaking consent issues. Yeah, yeah. JK might have problem. screwed up a few things when it came to writing Harry Potter, but consent was not one of them as to teacher-student relationships. Right, exactly. Okay, okay. I would say that's the biggest issue with some of the more deep dive kind of fan fictions for negativity reasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, that, that's kind of the issue I've been having with AO3, honestly, is that like, I can't weed that stuff out well enough. Right. But like, like, I don't even want to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was gonna be, well, let me let me finish yeah. with Colleen and the before scroll past we get on to this. that is a little bit more like mm -hmm. you can say scroll past, but if it's something that's that triggering, it's kind of like mm -hmm. how about how about you, Colleen? Anything negative in addition or different from what Flo already wonderfully raised for us? I think it really depends on what we define as fan fiction. I have heard a lot of people call Cursed Child fan fiction when it is in fact canon according to jk um there's the look at flo's face if you're listening on the podcast flo i think just ate a lemon i'm not sure <laughs> technically it is but a lot of people call it like a harry potter fan fiction okay or even and not like, a good one right and not a good one that's what they yeah they're like this is terrible this is no decanonize but like star wars legends or expanding universe eu that could almost be kind of considered in a fan fiction tier now because it's right. not canon and people have been very upset that it was decanonized back in 2014 when Disney acquired the Star Wars property and I can see why I've been reading a lot of legend stuff now and it is great content they have fantastic authors they have fantastic storylines but I can see why Disney did it but the negative connotation from a certain point of view, I'm sure. Well, exactly. I'll protect. I'll protect you on that well, one. <laughs> from a certain point of view, because I really have been enjoying the Legends content I've been reading, and I, I'm joining the echelon of people who are upset that certain characters aren't in canon yet. Like, I get it. I get why Disney did it. I get that they wanted their own vision, but also then you have this entire legion of fans right. of these books, which are now kind of fan fiction that are sitting here being like, where's my stuff though? Like, where's Thrawn? Where's Mara Jade? And we're like, yeah, where are they? Yeah, I, I wonder if and when Dave Filoni officially gets the keys to the fandom, whether or not there will be a re-bringing into the fold some of those stories yep. that i mean if the you're gonna call them way back like yeah one can make his way back almost any of the characters could yeah and i i apologize that i can't remember some of their names right now but there are fantastic content creators out there in the tubes of you that like break down why these legend stories are completely if not almost entirely like able to be brought into the fold without any problem so yes i mean Especially old republic stuff like easily could fold into yeah canon. yeah Very so easy. if we're gonna call it fan fiction they get they get two capital f's and like two middle yes. fingers raised as far as 
as far oh, yes. as I'm this concerned. This is like prestige fan fiction at this point, if we do label it like that. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic example of when fan fiction is viewed negatively, but that's that's a whole other caliber of why there's salt in people's wounds. The only other additional tidbit that I have to add is that some people when commenting kind of made conjectures about fan fiction without being in the world at all, which is kind of part and parcel to what you ladies are talking about here. Because as an outsider, I I assumed, but couldn't remember when I was thinking, oh, is my Garfield comic technically fan fiction? There's almost a presumption that there has to be some sort of naughty bits included into it. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, it it's almost as if, ladies, there's some systematic thing that we normalize in society when it comes to repressing or presupposing that things dealing with sex may or may not already be bad at the jump. It's very shocking to me to see it. Yeah, I've never heard of anything like that. I'm taken aback by this new theory that we've stumbled upon by happenstance. But yeah, I I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think like a lot of people assume that like if you're reading fan fiction, you're reading erotica and like that is somehow like shameful and bad and like you should be shunned for it. Mm -hmm. Let me like be extremely clear not all fan fiction is erotic the majority i would say of fan fiction is like rated g or teen like in a similar vein to the books and teen is kissing right i mean like to to clarify everything yeah i mean like they might have sex but you're not going to see it right okay they might imply that like we all know that like remus and tongs had sex they had a kid we never saw That is a like I would just that sexuality, like, right? So and we know that Bill and Fleur are doing oh, things yeah. <laughs> like they're so yes. busy. Yeah, they are. Right, mm-hmm. they were very mm-hmm. very busy. So I mean, while like yes, now I read more like erotic fan fiction because I'm an adult, like, and I can do that because. I can, and if you don't think I should, go fuck yourself. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's not all like that. There is fan fiction for everybody. There is fan fiction yes. currently being written by eleven-year-olds still. So it's like, mm-hmm. just let everybody read and write what they want and shut yes. up. Yeah, exactly. and and you know what? This this is maybe going to get some people agitated. Oh, In- yeah. Yeah, which I liked. Like, let's just stir the pot, right? Like, let's think creatively about these things. Kind of like how Colleen was talking about Star Wars Legends. One could argue that once upon a time, and I, like, mea culpa blanking on his name, George R. R. Martin's two collaborators. Do you remember their names right now? I'm, like, foolishly blanking on them. For it's the so books embarrassing. Or for the, for the books. For the books. Not the TV show. Oof. I do not know. I oh, mea that. culpa, mea culpa, everyone. Flo's looking at this. Computer. Yes. Yeah, so, is looking. <laughs> so, so one could even argue when they had first reached out to George way back when, in like 1990s or something. That is one of the coolest stories I have ever heard of a fan reaching out to an author. 
then just having largely his mind, but then her mind just dialed into George's world and then ultimately became co-authors on some source materials. That's mm-hmm. like the creme de la creme of dreams for fans mm-hmm. who really, really care. And, and I'll say again, plug for submitting something because we like giving people shout outs. Okay, so see again, it I don't know anything about this, so I apologize. I'll, I'll recognize, I'll if recognize. If you're a Song of Ice and Fire person, I am coming from a place of complete ignorance and I fully admit that. Are you thinking about the people who run Westeros.org? It's Elio M. Garcia Jr. and- Correct. Linda Antonson, maybe? Yes, thank you. Thank, like, mea culpa, Game of Thrones people, again, I am horrible with names. And yet, You're correct. Right. They work directly with Martin on the World of Ice and Fire, which was the companion mm-hmm. piece. And, um, yeah, that's actually really cool. Imagine that's if, like, one of us that with JKR. I mean, I would tell her other things, too, but... Um, Yes, because like, because um, Elio would help George R. R. Martin. He'd be like, um, no, her eyes are not green. We need to fix this. He does continuity checks. Yeah, just it's really fantastic. important when you have that long of a work. Absolutely. So one thing that I had wanted to ask, but we had been talking about something else. Speaking of continuity checks, how do you ladies determine, like, yes, this is fan fiction. I absolutely want to dig into, and or when you're in it. How do you decide, like, nah, never mind? Because my my limited recent experience with fan fiction is one of our mutual friends had sent me a Harry Potter fan fiction that had been sold to me as very, very good. And maybe it was for that person, but I tried it and I was like, I... Was it I, me? <laughs> I don't think it was you, Flo. <laughs> I don't think it was you, Flo, but I'm... I, will be unable and unwilling to like check. I literally can't remember. I literally can't remember. All I remember is like, I really wanted to enjoy it. And I just, I think it was the writing. And that made. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not taking it personally at all. Um, Yeah. So that's actually really funny that you asked this question because I posted to our Instagram story yesterday, a really funny TikTok which like resonated with me on this topic. I actually also sent it to my husband. But basically it was like, if it's like over 10,000 words, like, thank you. Like I like long form content. Me too. If the grammar is good. Yep. Like, sorry, if like your grammar is- Grammar is good, I'm like. Yes, grammar (laughs) speaks to me. Um, If it's got like your OTP in it, that's what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay. okay, So if it's got your OTP, then you're usually good. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I usually just read the summary. If the summary is something I'm into, then I'll read it. Um, I'm pretty particular with my fan fiction. So when I like can't find something good, I just go back to like the ones that I've read before. Yeah. (laughs) I just like feel very like home. Um, do you ever search by author or is it always oh, yeah. like a hashtag? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that's how I think I'd do it. If I found someone I really like. writing style that you can enjoy. Yes. Yeah. Stay with that person. Totally. Um, and we can give Rex at the end, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Ab- 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Unequivocally. And I'm about, I, like our next thing once we finish up with you and Colleen is like some of the fan fiction submissions from two authors and then some Rex. So yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think you know pretty quickly if the fanfic's not for you. Like, yeah. if the writing style or, like, the viewpoint is not for you, then just, like, go to the next one. There's a million out there. 822,000 or whatever Harry Potter fanfiction. So find another one. Mm -hmm. Wild. Okay. Me, definitely, if I feel the urge to reach for a red pen yeah. and edit the crap out of it, I'm not going to read it because they needed an editor. Yeah. And even if it is fan fiction, for some people, like, cannot get past the typos or the bad punctuation, bad grammar. And then some authors are like, oh man, they really know what they're doing here. Yeah, and a, lo author, a like, lot of fan fiction authors do have what's called a beta, which is like yes. their version of an editor. And so like, you pretty much know, like, if they have at least one beta, like, it's going to be more yes. readable than mm -hmm. if they don't have a beta. And they usually announce that in the author's notes up top. Do they ever get paid for what they're doing? Do like, do people do Patreons? Is it just for the love of the game? I don't think you can because of copyright issues. Right. right. Yeah. Um, you can do like Lore Olympus on Webtoon. It's kind of a fan fiction because it's taken from Greek mythology, but it's not copyrighted. So you're okay to use it in your story and that is also excellent first plug like yes go read Laura Olympus fantastic but I think yeah I mean Harry you can't Potter make money off of other people's characters yeah. basically. right 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 and right, I right, do right. think like Warner Brothers is really like cracking down on the Harry Potter stuff like mm -hmm. I I know there was another podcast I think it used to be called Potterotica that used to read Harry Potter fan fiction that was like their podcast and it was great like I started listening to that and they like had to change their names. They had to, you know, broaden to just not Harry Potter, to not just Harry Potter. Um, yeah, Warner Brothers is very particular. And most Harry Potter fan fictions start with a disclaimer saying they do not own these characters or the world. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. It, it, as, as an artist, one of the things that kind of baffles me, though, is that there's so many options for fan art like this drives me nuts right because on the one hand I want to create art that is symbolic or representative or blah 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 and like Flo does absolutely fantastic stuff for our Instagram but it, it it's almost one of those weird legal slash ethical conundrums because it's like you can do this but you can't do that and either way like I don't know maybe I'll just forever have quibbles with the law, but it, it, it the story goes past the hardcover product book. It just does. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I, I think we all know in the Harry Potter community during this time, like she doesn't own this story. We own this story. We make it what we want it to be. Like mm -hmm. trans lives matter, trans women are women. And like, we know that. And the fact that she doesn't know that is honestly inconsequential mm -hmm. besides the fact that she's getting paid for right. it. So, yeah, Harry Potter's bigger than her. Yeah, I, mean, so I would say like... She can have her opinions, but Harry Potter is not. Especially this time, her. like support small artists who are doing Harry Potter-themed art. Mm -hmm. And um, here's a plug for Sid Sketched on... Yeah. She has the cutest stuff. I have some of her stuff right here, actually. I can reach... This was last month's print. It's Neville. Oh, so cute. Um, so yeah, I mean, just find some people whose values you can support while still being in the world because you don't have to write off Harry Potter and the wizarding yep. world because of her. Yep. Like, we're so much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, speaking about writing off, why don't we write on some of those favorite fan fiction authors that you two were talking about, and then I'll give the little blurb that um, two real-life authors Woo! submitted to us. So, Colleen, why don't you go first, and then Flo, to the extent there's not overlap, there hit us up be. with your rep. <laughs> there will be. My two are two Star Wars ones that I recently got into that are excellent. The first one is Shannon Phillips, all one word on AO3. And the main stuff that I read from her is Rebels content. And my favorite so far is Fade to Black, which is... Great title. It's, awesome it's a great title. title, although I have a feeling it's going to be really sad at the end. <laughs> wait, a, wait, Star Wars is sad? Star Wars is sad. <laughs> No one can be happy in Star Wars, but it's mainly about Kanan and Hera's relationship. And there are erotic components, intimacy components, but it also includes a lot of narrative on just their relationship and how they relate to each other, which is fantastic. She has a really great command of their voices, and she really only does Kanan and Hera. Every once in a while, another character will drop in, but she really has a hold and a handle on these characters. It was fantastic to read. Oh, Dialogue so was great. Cool. Loved it. And then the second one is Sulis57. And she, I think it's she, does um, Obi-Wan Satine stuff. So Clone Wars content and pre-Clone Wars content. And it's also very well done. Another great command of the characters. Like she knows the characters well enough to write them, which is really important. Because that's when a fan fiction can fall apart is when the characters don't sound like themselves. Right, right. Oh, yeah. I just read one of those last night where I was like, uh. They wouldn't do this. Yeah, the character has, you have to believe that the character would do or say what they're doing. Yeah, I'll just shout it out right here. It was Ron being very dominating to Hermione. And it was like, she would never let you do that, my guy. No. Ron's a sub. No. no. <laughs> That's just, I mean, Again, whatever you want to read, go read. But that's just that's not the characters I know. But maybe we have a very different reading of Harry Potter. Um, okay, here's my highlights. Um, <laughs> these are on fanfiction.net. They are also available on AO3, but I believe they have different names on AO3, specifically um, just their author name, not the stories per se. Um, the first one I want to recommend is called Pause. It is... How do you spell how do you spell that? P-A-U-S-E or P-A-W-P-A-U-S-E. Um, it is by T M Blue. So capital T, capital M, the color blue. Um, she is like my favorite, I assume it's a she. She is my favorite author um for all Ron Hermione fan fiction. Most of it, well, I would say like 80% of it is more mature, but not like just smut, like like Colleen was saying, it's it's got a lot of plot, and then just, like, it makes sense that there's things yes. of a sexual nature in it. They're not just having sex. Like, no, there's actually not. a lead-up to the sex. Exactly. And that's, like, what I like about it a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, Pause specifically is about, um, basically, right when Ron comes back to the tent in Deathly Hallows, and kind of, like, how he and Hermione patch things up, and how they, I mean... It is a I mean, did event. Harry have to excuse himself and, like, put on earmuffs or something? <laughs> was that, like, one of the lead-ups? Mufflato was happen when he's on watch, so. Okay, phew. Um, yeah, it's actually a work in progress. 
TM Blue, if you're watching this, like, I need you to update my girl because I'm dying. I've reread it like 17 times. Um, so that's one. And then all of her works are amazing, pretty canon compliant, really, really great voices for all of the characters. The, I've got three, sorry. The second no one, apologies. There are no apologies ever at BGS. Though. They're very, very different. Um, the second one is called Everything in Transit. It is by Bo Truckles on fanfiction.net. Um, and she goes by a different name on AO3, but it can also be found there. Um, it's great. It's actually takes place after the Battle of Hogwarts, but like between that and then the 19 years later, um, again, canon compliant, Ron Hermione, Harry Ginny. Um, she's a big Harry Ginny shipper. So a lot of the stories are Harry Ginny. Mostly I won't read it unless Ron Hermione is the main ship. So <laughs> this one, Ron Hermione is pretty prevalent. And then finally, I want to shout out one of my favorite stories from back when I was in middle and high school. <laughs> yes, bring it back. Bring and it I, back. I don't, I think this one's still on AO3, but I actually downloaded it as a PDF to my phone. <laughs> Gotta keep it close. Because I, I can. Um, mostly because that's the only way I could find it. I remember reading it on fanfiction.net back then, and then I think it was just moved to AO3, so I, you can't find it on fanfiction.net. Um, it is called The Price of Love, and what I love, about, and it's by Rogue Sugar, but spelled- Good name. Yeah, it's Rogue Sugar, one word, but sugar ends with an A-H, not an E-R, because Rogue Sugar. <laughs> um, and what I love about this one is it brings me back to a simpler time because it was before the series was completed, oh. and so it was like, yeah, this this could actually happen. I, I believe she wrote it, I want to say after Order, but before Half-Blood Prince. Um, so, you know, we didn't have all of the holes filled in yet, figuratively and uh, literally. <laughs> and it is mostly teen. There are mature excerpts. She actually wrote them separately, so you can choose to read the whole story with or without um, the mature bits. That's a class act author right there. It, it actually is because like none of the story really revolves around those things at all. So if you want to skip it, you're welcome to skip it. If you want to seek it out, you can easily find it. Um, yeah, I've read it both ways. It makes as much sense both ways. That's so. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then the two fan fiction submissions. I adore this. So um according to the authors quote as a note we both had to write each other's since we are very recitrant to give each other like and or give ourselves any props which which is so adorable and is like just so so sweet so the first fan fiction author is julia julia martel on ao3 and her notable fanfics are quote the princess and the septa and then a wedding in Sunspear, which is in progress. And so her friend and um, colleague writes, and I love these descriptions, writing as if she is a perfect fusion of George R. R. Martin and Jane Austen, Julia Martel is guaranteed to titillate in her explorations of a song of ice and fire. However, she would like to note that this is also reflected in her publication schedule, or rather schedule. My apologies. <laughs> Drawn to exploring Dawn, the family drama therein, and the unique manifestation of the patriarchy with respect to the rest of Westeros. 
Julia Martel offers page turners featuring the close POV structure a Song of Ice and Fire fans have come to love. If you enjoy themes and parallels and potentially being bashed over the head with themes and parallels, these are the fix for you. Quote, the princess and the scepter, end quote, serves as a delightful gap filler, expertly setting up the now infamous queen maker plot. While, quote, a wedding of Sunspear takes liberties mm, with many pre-canon characters and a, delightment, a delightful assortment of original characters. So I think that's adorable AF. Yes. And then the second one is... <laughs> what was that? I'm hooked. Oh, read. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Oh, read. I know, right? And then the second one is fan fiction author Kylie Fix and Musings on AO3, F I C S and Musings, which I think is a great name as well. Notable fan fictions include, quote, Seeking Sado. I think I'm pronouncing that right. S A T O, Sado, Sado. Sado. Um, quote, Potato Sack, which is a great name. Quote, <laughs> The Tribunals, um, the fourth one is A Guy Named Canto, and then the last one is Half the Pieces, so five for the price of one author. Him. I cannot wait to see where this author is from. <laughs> I'm like, so, so, so we're going into a completely other genre. If you're looking for the gaps in the Avatar-verse narratives to be filled in the most meticulous way possible, Kylie is the author for you. With a particular focus on all things Asami Sato, Kylie offers fix that focus on the nitty-gritties of Avatar, the last airbender, and Avatar, the legend of Korra, from political intrigue to family drama. Her two fast standalones, ooh, fast standalones, my word, in the Atla era will leave you racked with the feels and secondhand guilt from a younger Boomy and Toph, <laughs> respectively. While Kylie spends most of her time in the Korra era, highlighting the rich inner world of Asami Sato, while further coloring the lives of those around her and the relationship she ultimately winds up in. Oh, and of course more themes not bad ladies Sounds great too not Sounds bad when you first said avatar though like i pictured the blue people me so, too interesting me too so i no longer so, do that <laughs> i only do that because of my husband's work but <laughs> i i loved mm -hmm. avatar excellent visuals and i suppose if there's Talk a fan about fiction, a fan out fiction. Tell me yeah, about Avatar it. is definitely a fan fiction. <laughs> Which I think is a lovely segue as we conclude with what I am dubbing our quote unquote spicier content section. Woo! So, so if you have any younglings around, I oh, will I leave it to you. Mom, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I leave it to you to decide what we do with our families. So I would say this is a little bit repetitive for the first question. So if we need to skip it, no, no worries. No, first we don't and skip it. Let's go. Yeah. So first and foremost, do you both consume erotic fan fiction? And why do you think erotic fan fiction is so, so prevalent? Because it's not in the content. You have to get it somewhere. It's all that tension. I need relief. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think like all of us have like this one character where we're just like, yes, he's so hot or she's so hot or like, mm-hmm. I can't even. But like in case, like mine is Ron Weasley, in case you were wondering. <laughs> in case you were not tuned in. In case you didn't know me at all. But, like, obviously in canon, he's, like, the most he ever does with anybody is Snog Lavender, and at that time, he's 16 years old, and I am almost 30, so I need, like, Ron to grow up so that he can, like, stay my heartthrob, and so that's why I read, well, that and other reasons, that's why I read erotic (laughs) fanfiction, um, but also, like, I think it's just like a less shame shameful way to get that sort of content like I I know like as a kid I would not as a kid let's not get crazy as like a teenager I would like go to the grocery store and like pick up the romance novel and be like ooh, and like it was pretty good and whatever but like now we can get whatever we want on our computer and it can be exactly Mm -hmm. tailored to how we want it so like no I don't need to read I'm gonna shout out a particular book that I bought at the grocery store this book was called In the Highlander's Bed. Ooh, <laughs> it was read Outlander. <laughs> it was very good. It was very, very good. I brought it to my trip to Guatemala with me in high school. Um, but, like, I'm way more into Ron Weasley than I am, like, in random Highlander. <laughs> old school Highlands. So, yeah. you know, why not read exactly what I want? It's on my computer. It's not shameful. It's completely natural. Go do your, as long as it's consensual, then like, you're good. And that's, you know, since Colleen mentioned um, Outlander, I've noticed when I speak to some older women, I haven't really talked to older gentlemen about this, but when I speak to older women about what kind of erotic film or visual genre they enjoy, because I mean, Netflix was just like, yo, HBO, hold my white claw. (laughs) (laughs) So I've... I've discovered that they're much more likely to enjoy the recommendation of Outlander and um, I think it's Catherine the Great on HBO, not mm. The Great, which is on Netflix. Okay. And and I th- I'm guessing, although I could be wrong, that it has to do with that like aging up of the characters as part of it because the two women protagonists in each of those respectively are certainly older than like the Riverdale people that I ogle, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, what about the kind of question to ship or not to ship? What are your thoughts in general? And, and I know that Flo has some pretty hard stances and we've done fan art, right? But like, what are each of your thoughts on shipping characters, especially if those characters aren't in established relationships at some point on the page, or if we remove it from a book on the screen? And, and for example, we already talked about this, so maybe new information, example like Sirius and Remus, Harry and Hermione, as opposed to Ron and Hermione, Maul and... On I'm going to head out. <laughs> exactly. Flow like, is gone. <laughs> yeah. We're, it, it, so, like, clearly Flo is having a visceral reaction, but but it, it to me, being an outsider on the world, it, it sounds just indicative of wish fulfillment, so find what mm-hmm. what scratches your itch, right? Yes, definitely. Especially if a ship is not canon 
it's just the person wants these two characters to be together and so they write about it yeah. and then they find an audience who also wants those two characters to be together to consume the content which is it's totally fine for the most part like yes if this is a relationship that these two characters are actually having and it's a consensual relationship like sure go nuts go nuts because even the the mall and amidala one i was very con concerned about at first yeah but it was a consensual relationship so i'm like okay poor mall he just really needs a partner that's all i'm needs saying a hug man he does need a hug i volunteer as tribute i will hug mall <laughs> um yeah i mean again i don't read harry hermione but i used to ship harry hermione if believe it or not like before probably before Goblet. yeah i know before goblet i mean because it just like, made sense you know mm -hmm. like harry's yeah. our protagonist and hermione's our main female character mm -hmm. and Ginny like didn't have that much of a personality in the first couple books and then she like mm -hmm. really came into her own yep. obviously yep. after goblet i was hooked like i was done like it was it's been ron hermione since then since 2000 so <laughs> um yeah i mean I love shipping. I've always been a shipper. I built my own ships. I used to be on the forums about ships. I used to name ships. I used to do all that. In fact, like, I'm honestly kind of annoyed that now Ron and Hermione is called Ron, like, Romione. Like, that is not the name of the ship. The name of the ship is The Good Ship. So get like that was the name of the ship way back when we came up with it. I don't know who's calling it Romione, but I like cannot with it. These younglings, man, they're coming up. I mean, I can't, I can't with you. It's, it's always been called the good ship because they used to be called that. They used to be called like SS, whatever, and HMS, whatever. And it was so mm. cute and funny and precious. Um, anyways, so yeah, I mean, I read again, canon compliant. However, like there are some ships that are not canon, that are not canon, but could be canon compliant if we knew more about the characters like i don't mind reading rima serious i wouldn't just read a rima serious fan fiction because i only read ron hermione fan fiction but if like on the side of that remus and sirius were together that, like, i don't have an issue with that because we don't know if remus is bi right so just because he married tonks doesn't mean he never had a thing with sirius yeah and it doesn't mean that tonks doesn't use her powers for good Sure, exactly. <laughs> right, right. I mean, there's definitely certain things like I'm totally fine with. I don't read Draco Harry because to me that makes no sense in canon. I'm right. not saying it could have never made sense in canon. There certainly is like a point where that could have made sense, but unfortunately, like literally that ship sailed. And so Sick, man. We, we know that, that cannot happen in canon. And that's what I read. If you're not reading canon compliant or canon fan fiction, then like you go right ahead and ship whatever you want. Maybe that's why Draco's so like stalwart at the platform. You know, he sees what could have been as yeah. like man. Excellent. Okay. Um, my next saucier question gets a little bit into the science of men and women slash genders. So I did a little bit of research, but you have to caveat research online with like a big old caveat, especially these days, regardless of how Ravenclaw inclined we are, there's only so much we can do without PhDs attached to our names. But the question that I want to pose to you ladies before I break down some potential facts um, are, 
do you believe that men and women, or frankly, any gender, but particularly men and women, experience erotic content differently? And if we get into this a little bit more specifically, are men into things like visual porn because of the visual component? Would they enjoy written erotica as much? Or is it more of women who consume erotic written works over men or other genders? So I see, I see since you might be listening on the podcast, Flo is nodding vehemently. So Flo, why don't you go first? Colleen, you go, and then I'll drop some like psychological alleged stuff research. Okay. So everyone that I know who reads fan fiction is a girl. First of all, like just besides my best friend Julian, who wrote fan fiction with me when we were like 12, um, who is not heterosexual. Uh, I don't know any guy who reads fan fiction. And definitely, I do not know any men who read her erotic fan fiction. Um, okay. I have given stories to my husband and been like, this is what I like. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't get it. Like, wh what is this? And like, why do you like this? And like, why is this a thing? He would like much prefer to turn on something visual and be like, this is what I like. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, like, it does not translate in the same way. I think, like, just the, like, lead up and having to, like, read about it and imagine it is not their strong suit. Sorry, guys. Again, mm -hmm. you're good at lots of other things, like visual spatial things. But, like, I like to imagine it myself. And, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't think that it translates. Yeah. How, um, about, how, how about you, Colleen? I had that question myself just because of the notion that men are more visual as opposed to the written erotica. I know a few men who read fan fiction, not a lot. I know a couple who have tried to read erotica and just were confused. <laughs> or they, some of them did read it and enjoyed it and were like, oh, this is what this is about. Okay. I can maybe like get behind this, but for the most part, I don't know that many men that would read it or would admit to reading it. Yeah. And Duncan is back. I, don't. <laughs> I think like also like there's something to be said about like the slow burn, right? Like, yes. I think we're like more into like a slow burn and like a lead up and they're just like wham, get bam, to it. Yeah. 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 The foreplay guys, it's really important. It's so important. It's really, really <laughs> yeah. important. You can usually tell also if a fan fiction that's erotic was written by a woman yeah. because there's a lot of foreplay involved and yeah. just mutual pleasure also involved when a woman is writing it. And just like more talking about it maybe. Like yes. I feel like in the ones I really enjoy, like for example, pause, like I think it takes 14 chapters for them to actually have any sort of like what you would consider like anything super erotic and they don't mm -hmm. they still have not had sex in the fan yeah. fiction again it's a work in progress but it has a lot of chapters and like quote unquote nothing has happened but like it's the best but there's <laughs> tension that's right <laughs> there are things to be said for tension oh, tension yeah. is really important to a narrative but it's i don't think guys are it. into tension in the same way yeah no, i would, I would say 
first, that's really interesting that it would take up to 14 chapters because at least. That's a long, that's a long pause right there. Well, okay. So again, he had just left. So he like needs to rebuild a relationship. Mm-hmm. And also they're 17 and yeah. we all know that Ron is a super virgin. So they're all, that's, I mean, very it's... awkward, just a lot of awkwardness. And they're in a tent and they're shacking with their best friends. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will say that at least from, from my limited recollection in the romance novel arena, my understanding is like authors generally speaking have like rules for when first like sexual encounters are supposed to happen there's like a a, literally a page limit that if it hasn't happened by this page you need to rewrite which I find very very interesting Mm -hmm. um my second plug while Flo looks for this is yeah go ahead Flo did you find it no I just want to say this actually has 24 chapters I'm just trying to look at how long it took them can I, can I just like say what they did? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course you can. Of course. I'm sure that there are people who are interested. I mean, here, here you go. Spoiler alert. This spoiler is your spoiler. Alert. If you I don't. That you read pause by TM blue. Um, they like went outside and like laid down on a blanket and like touched themselves next to the person. Aww. That's it. But I'm pretty sure it took may- maybe 20 chapters. Aww. Anyways, go on. <laughs> So this this gets this me to my sweet, second point. Watching this, please do not report me to HR. <laughs> <laughs> well, this gets me to my second point and kind of what we're talking about dealing with consent and acceptance and those kind of things. Fellas, if you're watching these three fierce females talk about this topic and are thinking like, why isn't my partner this open with me? I bet you your partner does want to be this open with you, but maybe for whatever reason they're not. So if at first you don't succeed giving your partner what they need, ask and look in a book because it's going to be there. There are ways to like work through this. So when it comes to some of the like research research that I did, I remember from when I got my... BS. I was literally allowed to choose at my alma mater whether or not I wanted a BS in psychology or a BA in psychology, which, sorry, alma mater, I think that's a little bit weird. I chose a BS. And so, quote, the human sexual response cycle, sexual desires, activities, satisfaction, and physical and mental responses in men and women are different. Surprise. Men usually feel sexual satisfaction during sexual activity and are more prone to physical attraction, whereas women are more affected by the environment and the emotions related to the sexual partner or sexual fantasy. Ah, ding, 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 right? There it is. There it is, (laughs) right there in black and white, and are more prone um, more affected by the environment, da, 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 or sexual fantasy in terms of sexual satisfaction. Men generally respond to visual sexual stimuli, such as attractive nudes or erotic pictures or exotic films. Women, however, respond differently to the same sexual stimuli. This is according to um, two papers and or studies from 1994 and 1997. Um, moreover, men are more sexually aroused by visual stimuli, but women are more sexually aroused by concrete, auditory, olfactory, love that word, touch, and emotionally relevant sexual stimulation. 
studies there are from 1983, 1992, 1997. But what's important here, folks, and what we like talking about when it comes to inclusivity and intersectionality and like literally critically evaluating what we're reading, right? Because we could look at this and go like, ah, they agree. Like next, moving on to the topic. We have to remember that this paper, that this one person in the ether chose was from in information derived focusing on only two genders based on studies from from frankly like it's it's been a beat doesn't mean it's invalidated but norms are shifting so more recently a 2018 piece focused on research from 2004 which I find, this one I really find to be interesting, where the researchers presented heterosexual men and women as well as gay men and lesbians with different sexual films. One film depicted two women, one featured one man and one woman, and the last involved two men. The researchers measured participants self-reported, so there's always a caveat with that, subjective sexual arousal as well as, ooh, objective genital arousal, look at that. The The results for the men's sexual arousal were consistent. Gay men exhibited more subjective and objective arousal to the film involving two men, and straight men experienced more subjective and objective arousal to the film involving two women. Interesting. The author's finding regarding women's arousal, however, were surprisingly inconsistent. So hashtag men, we feel you. We are a precarious beast. You must ask so we can receive. Although lesbians reported more subjective feelings of arousal to the film with two women, and heterosexual women reported that they were most strongly aroused by the film involving one man and one woman, both lesbian and heterosexual women were equally psychologically aroused by all three films. Get it, ladies. The researchers were open about it. The researchers interpreted these results to imply, so we're not sure yet, right? Imply that women's sexuality is more fluid or flexible than men's. However, none of the researchers suggested that the women are inherently bisexual. Interesting. But it is the experience of psychological arousal, or but, ha, but, it's a question. But is the experience of psychological arousal sufficient for women to feel sexually attracted to a partner? Other research raises questions about whether objective or psychological arousal is sufficient to stimulate feelings of sexual desire in women and whether women respond differently to psychological sexual arousal than men do. Boom. Boom. So there you go. Feeling a little hot and heavy with that science. It's a lot. I don't know. (laughs) That's a lot of science. Mm -hmm. It makes sense, though. It does. Yeah. It tracks. Yep. So, I mean, the the lead scientists there, the lead scientists were calling um, what's interesting that few men or women have absolutely male or female brains which makes sense because gender is a construct, but I digress. Most of what she calls like mosaics, combining brain features typical of your gender with those more typical of the other gender. And then when it comes to pornography use, I won't get into like all of the black and white stuff, but there was a 
pretty clear distinction between how much porn women would consume versus men would consume, not only in frequency of use, but also if porn was consumed, how much a particular person was going to be consuming it. So no matter how you look at it, at least from objective stats at this day and age, men are more visual or at least more willing to report that they are visual, whereas women are more willing to report, if not in fact, more up here in our brains. So if you titillate us here, men, you'll titillate us elsewhere. <laughs> That's usually the key. You gotta get inside the head, otherwise it's not going to work. Otherwise no head for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sorry about yeah. yeah. I think I think I can't remember. I can't remember <laughs> which rappers use it, but it's like give and get brain. And I freaking love that, right? Like that's totally, that's totally the lyrics that work for me. And speaking of lyrics that work for me and titillating, are there any words in this saucier kind of conclusion that like, if, and when you see it in a fan fiction, you're like, yes, mm. let's any go. Words? Yeah. I don't know. Like, like is there, words? is there like, yeah, like specific triggering words where you're just like, Yes, this mm. is definitely going to scratch my itch and or words that if you're like, ew, I'm just going to pretend that word doesn't exist. Okay. Like, I, really, I really don't like the word tits. Okay. Mm. I, I'm really just like not into that. Um, yeah. if I, had to I don't need the word engorged. I don't need that word. <laughs> I don't Too need nascent? that. <laughs> Thank you, 10 things like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think there's like a specific word per se but like i like proper british dialogue like you mm. need to give me some british isms because i need ron to be in character so yeah. i yeah I, I think for me it's less the words and more just like giving me some tone some like you know some good britishisms that's all, <laughs> that's all. Like, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. since it's set in england you do yeah, want it to I have think, the like, right I need ron to call people pricks and like tell people to bugger off yeah that's what I yeah mean. how about how about you Colleen not to put you on the spot regarding your particular kinks I'm trying to think like anything that's like infantilized I'm not a fan oh, of yeah. like the yeah. word panties like no oh, yeah. that it's one like, grinds a lot of people's gears like toss frankly. it out there it's just it brings you to a level where it's a low maturity level and you're just like that's not yeah. what I want to be reading but like no yeah yeah, that's like the same with like the word boobs. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like boobs. Yeah. You can say breast, it's not yeah, scary. It's fine. For yeah. Real. I think, yeah, so long as there's like a mature level of language, it's a lot better. I don't mind if there's swearing. Like, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't care about it's, that. It's better if they're swearing. Yeah, it's more I like swearing. People fucking swear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just more realistic. I mean, if it is set in a universe that would swear differently, like if it's Battlestar Galactica, like yes, have them say frack, yep. or have them say a curse word from that universe. Sometimes that can pull you out. Also, like Flo said, if it's said in England, they should be using British slang. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, is there? We kind of ran through all my questions and the questions that were submitted by people. I know that each of you had some notes. Is there any deliciousness that we still have to dish from each of you two at all? 
No, I went I through my notes. I, <laughs> I went through like, my notes and more. I think I went through my notes, yes. Excellent. And, yeah. Well, then, yeah. I think this is a great place for us to cough, cough, finish strong together and simply say thank you so much for joining us um, for this fan fiction addiction episode. To the extent you have questions on this topic, you have additional authors or stories to shout out, we're going to eventually, slowly but surely, try to build out a website so that people can submit things, so that things are easier to find, because we drop a lot of freaking knowledge that sometimes if you're not taking notes in a podcast, which I don't know who does, but props to you, like take a selfie of that and submit it because I would freaking love that. We're going to be working on that for you guys. And we thank you while we were off in July. Coronavirus, it's still real. Mask the frick up and stay strong, stay sane. We're probably going to be doing some more one-off episodes before we kick it into real high gear. Um, to some content that I know people in particular are fiending after Colleen. So, very excited. <laughs> yeah, so we're getting very, very excited and not just because we were talking about fan fiction for about two hours. <laughs> Ladies, is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with? Because like JKR, we left them pretty high and dry for a little while and, and we have dove in deep today. I yeah, would just I mean, say, be bold, be proud. If you read fan fiction, read it. Don't be ashamed that you're reading it because there are plenty of people who are also doing the same thing. Yeah, I echo that same thing. Just like, be you, be unapologetic. And if you're reading fan fiction, send me some recommendations. <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. yes. It is, it is truly like what we care about here. This is a community by a community for our community. And so we'll sign off by saying we can't wait to see you at the next episode. It's going to be another one-off topic. I'm really for like, I'm so flipping freaking excited. I can't speak right. So, you know, share with your friends to the extent you can. You all know you're smart, how to beat the algorithm. Thank you for being in our community and listening to us. Love you so much. Keep Love those you. pages turning and you know those wands better be up. Bye, guys. Bye, <laughs> guys.